Welcome back to He Leadeth Me, a spiritual formation podcast for focus staff, students, and friends. And today, once again, I am joined by Father Pierre Giorgio, our Carmelite friend. And he did an episode with us recently on the waters of prayer, looking at the teaching of St. Teresa of Avila. And today, we are going to switch our attention to St. John of the Cross. And Father, I wanted to talk about something that I have received a lot of questions about from our missionaries and our students, Dark Night of the Soul. So thank you so much for uh, joining me this morning to talk about this. It's my pleasure. I have to admit, you know, St. John of the Cross is, he comes from a different time and place. Well, so is St. Teresa. Um, but there's always, you know, spiritual authors and guides that, that really uh, speak to us in many ways. And, and St. Teresa is that for me. St. John of the Cross as well. He's, we call it, you know, in the Commodore, he's our Holy Father. St. Teresa is our Holy Mother. But John is difficult. He's not only is he, um, is he grappling with terminology that is uh, scholastic in nature, so coming from a different time, but Teresa often makes this, these ideas easy for us because she herself is trying to understand. You know, she's, she's the definition, I think it's from St. Anselm, the theology is, is faith-seeking understanding. And, and so Teresa can make this sort of easy for us. John is, is speaking because he's, a, he's acquired a, an education, a knowledge, uh, models of, of thinking of the human person that for many of us are, we're unfamiliar with, right? So to, to speak of this, this phenomenon of the dark night of the soul, it's interesting. It kind of speaks a little bit to the way in which John is often misunderstood because the phrase, the dark night of the soul, Noctura Escura de la Alma, I always get that confused. And soul in, 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 uh, is, ends with an A, but it's masculine in Spanish. De la Alma, dark night of the soul, this doesn't appear anywhere in John's writing, this actual phrase. It's okay, so where's this, where does this come from? Yeah, um, I've never heard that before. People <laughs> so, always talk about it and you assume it's in there. Yes, well, so we can speak of the dark night of the soul in two senses. First of all, when John says soul, he means what we would say today, like person, the whole person, and, and, and everything that that entails. Uh, so and he uses the soul quite frequently, the word, this, you know, that term soul, to, to, and it to represent just the fullness of the, of the human person, all of its faculties, uh, everything that we have that's a part of us, our psychology, um, our, our physical self, uh, our spiritual self, all of that. So the dark night of the soul, we can, we can speak of it as sort of, a, of an analogy, of natural phenomenon, nights, they're dark, uh, and applying it spiritually to the soul. And so this, this is used as an analogy. And when people say the darkness of the soul, they're, they're referring to St. John's analogy of a, of, a, of a natural, both natural and supernatural phenomenon that occurs in the spiritual life. And then we can speak of the dark night of the soul in terms of a corpus of writing. Uh, and there's two parts. Well, there's several parts. There's three parts, actually, if you really want to be uh, exact. There is a poem that John doesn't himself, John never titled his poems, uh, but has, has become to be known as the Natura Oscura, uh, the Dark Night. Uh, and and the, the most famous stanza from this poem is, O guiding night, O night more lovely than the dawn, O night that has united the lover with his beloved, transforming the beloved in her lover. And of course the Spanish is like a thousand times more beautiful because it's, it's just, it, there's rhythm, there's rhyme, it's, it's stunning. There's, there's a reason why John 
even in, in secular institutions, is considered the greatest, greatest Spanish poet of all time. And maybe some people disagree with that in terms of the greatest, but certainly uh, he's in every textbook on Spanish literature. Uh, so beautiful poet, uh, truly a gift uh, for, the, for the Spanish language. And so we can't even express in English what is being expressed by John in Spanish. And, and words fail, right, with respect to, to the, the greatest uh, supernatural graces that we can receive in the spiritual life. So there's the poem. And then there's this, there's this, this treatise, this work called The Dark Knight. In, in a previous time, there were editors who gave this work the title The Dark Knight of the Soul. And this is where it comes to in our consciousness. Uh, of course, that's the title of the book. Okay, John didn't have that title. Here's John's title. Declaration of the songs of the way that the soul has in the spiritual path to reach the perfect union with God, which is possible in this life. Let us also say the properties that he who has reached the said perfection has in himself according to what is contained in the songs. So this writing that he does, it's a commentary on this poem that he's written because people want to know, okay, explain this stanza, explain this stanza, like, tell me more. What's this imagery? What does this represent? Tell me, like, how does this play out in experience, not just in, not just in literary, you know, beautiful literary words. And so he writes these commentaries. And so this is the actual title that he gives uh, to the Dark Knight. But then there's this treatise called The Ascent of Mount Carmel, which is actually written before the Dark Knight, which is also a commentary on the poem. And so you have two commentaries on the poem. He begins it in the ascent of Mount Carmel, and then he drops it for some time for various reasons, and then he picks it up again in the Dark Knight, the, the treatise of the Dark Knight. And so really, when we're talking about the Dark Knight as a, as a body, a corpus of writing, we're speaking of all three of these things, but particularly we're speaking of the treatise that he wrote that we title today the Dark Knight. And so, okay, so what is this analogy? What is, tell me, so what's going on here? So this is, this is what people um, frequently get, get bogged down, maybe, maybe confused by in the midst of all this. Because within this, this, this work, there's the analogy of the dark night of the soul. He, he explicates this analogy. And he speaks of the dark night in two parts. There's the night of the senses and the night of the spirit. So two parts there. Within those two parts, there's a further division of two parts. In the last, and we were here last time with, with uh, talking about Teresa in the, in the Four Waters, we were speaking about the difference between active and passive, and how the Four Waters is an analogy for that gradient from more active to less active, less passive to more passive, in terms of, of all the experiences that we can, we can experience in the spiritual life. And so it's the same with, with St. John of the Cross. Night of the senses, night of the spirit, Within those two nights, we have the active night and the passive night. So four nights altogether, <laughs> active night of the senses, passive night of the senses, active night of the spirit, passive night of the spirit. And this altogether is a model, an analogy of, of speaking of the way in which, uh, like I said last time, how, how, does, how is it that prayer becomes more supernatural? How is it that, that it develops? And so this is, this is how John answers the question with this analogy uh, of, of the dark night. And so I, I have to, you know, so now we have to talk about senses and spirit. Okay, what are we talking about here? When we talk about senses, we're of course speaking about the five, right? Uh, the, the ones that we learned as kindergartners or even earlier. And then there's also some interior senses, those that are, uh, that are, are not the, the corporeal ones, the sort of uh, appetites that come from our living in the world uh, and our interior self, 
our, our non-corporeal self living in a corporeal wor world, you know, tends to adapt to that world. And so we, even in our interior senses, we're, we're relating to the world, even though we're not using the corporeal part of our, of our whole self. And then we have the, the spirit. And the spirit pertains, at least for St. John of the Cross, to the, the memory, the intellect, and the will. Uh, these three faculties are what John means when he's speaking about the spirit. And so within the development of the spiritual life, there is a purgation and a privation. So, a, a, you know, two ways of saying detachment with slight nuances from the things relating to our senses and a privation, a purgation with respect to the things pertaining to our spirit, the intellect, the memory and the will. There's a there's a famous. Well, I don't know how famous he is. He's famous to me. <laughs> Uh, Blessed Marie Eugène, he was a Discalced Carmelite friar from France who lived in the 20th century, he was very instrumental in, in bringing about the, the, uh, the real manuscripts of St. Therese's Story of a Soul and not the redacted versions that, that her sisters came up with. Uh, he, was, he was the one who's finally said to, to Therese's sisters, look, she's a saint now, you gotta, you gotta give it up. Give it, <laughs> she gotta give the, the real stuff to the church. Uh, and so he was, he's a great figure in the history of the 20th century church, especially the Discalced Carmelites. Uh, and he has a great synthesis of Carmelite spirituality, trying to tie the threads into this like seamless thread of uh, between Therese, Teresa, and, and St. John of the Cross. And the, this analogy that he uses is uh, when we purify the senses, we're cutting the weeds. We're, we're back in the garden now. You thought we left the garden, but we're still in the garden. <laughs> Um, and of course, uh, Blessed Marie Eugène, he, he's, he's trying to, to, to do a synthesis, so he's going to bring some imagery of Therese, I'm uh, sorry, Teresa, when he's speaking about John's terminology. So when we're purifying the senses, we're cutting the weeds. What happens when we cut the weeds, Jessica? They grow back, right? Right. <laughs> if you don't pull them up by the roots, they just grow back. Right. And so that's, that's, that's the purification of, of the spirit. When we're purifying the spirit, we're digging out the roots. Mm, um, I see. So how do we get to the roots? You know, how do we get to the roots? Uh, and, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes we have to just cut the weeds. You know, there's, there's an aspect of that. We don't, we don't learn. Maybe we don't, we don't realize, right? We haven't, we haven't yet learned that, that uh, just cutting the weeds isn't effective enough. And so there's a habitual sort of growth that is involved in this as well. Uh, so, so how do we get to the, to the roots? And this is the dark night of the spirit. The dark night of the spirit. So St. John explains that the second night, uh, referring to the second night being the, the dark night of the spirit, or purification, takes place in those who are already proficient at the time God desires to lead them into the state of divine union. He also says, so just speaking of the dark night in general, so in this definition, we're, it's, it's, the, it's the beginning of, of, this, of, of God leading them to the state of divine union. And, and his, like, his most simple definition for the dark night is the inflow of God into the soul, which purges it of its habitual ignorances and imperfections. God teaches the soul secretly and instructs it in the perfection of love without its doing anything or understanding how this happens. And the reason why we don't understand it, the reason why we're not, we're not, we don't have this realization is because part of the, the purification of the memory, intellect, and will is the purification of the temporal, corporeal, bodily, human 
as a result of the fact that I have to live on this earth, even though I am a composite spiritual corporeal creature, of using these faculties, memory, intellect, and will, in a corporeal way. It's just what I'm accustomed to. I'm accustomed to using this part of myself outwardly oriented towards the things around me. And so in this um, night of the spirit, through the active night, our own realization that, okay, I've, I've experienced some taste of God. I want to I wanna go down that spiritual route and, and sort of turn, uh, have a healthy turning away from the world. And, and so we have to be purified of this, of this human, this corporeal way of using our intellect, memory, and will. And this is very dark in the sense of I can't see it. I, I can't see what's going on. Not in the figurative way that we use that word. It's, for one thing, such a stunning vision to think that the Lord could take you to where you're talking about that inflowing of God. I mean, just remarkable. And I think that that would stir a lot of people's desire. Yes, I want this. I want to be purified. I want whatever it takes to reach that union with God. Returning to what you were saying about the active purification, the dark night of the senses, I think that I have a lot of missionaries who will come to me and they will say, my prayer has been really dry. Um, maybe I am not able to engage my imagination the way that I used to in prayer. And they'll start to wonder, am I in the dark night? Or am I just having a dry spell? Am I having a bad day? Am I depressed? How can somebody know if they're actually in this purification? It's complicated. There's not an easy answer to it. And, and just to kind of break this up a little bit, um, oftentimes dryness or is, is also coupled in with things like distractions. And of course, distractions come from the fact that, 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 that I have these incredible faculties of my soul uh, that I'm using to, you know, make pancakes there's, you know, you know, it, it's, it, there's, there's sort of a, 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 a futility, not a futility, but sort of a, it's like using a Maserati to drive to the mailbox or something like that. You, know, you have this, this great, um, you've been created in this way that, that is made for God and we're using it for such menial tasks, uh, in the grand scheme of things, right? Doing the apostolate, having a family, these aren't, you know, actually, you know, these have some these have these bear fruit in our life and they and they help us to grow in the spiritual life as well so this is this is sort of the the why of oh here's why i experience distraction because i have this thing this this the soul that's made for union with god and i've been using it my whole life for menial tasks <laughs> part of that that growing towards the realization that that the soul that's made for god is having to to detach and grow in, in habitude uh for using it for its intended purpose for that supernatural purpose. So that's why the distractions happen. From that, there's gonna be some dryness as a result of, in the active night of the senses, so the, the thing that I am endeavoring to do through, you know, not just asceticism, it, it's, it, it's, it comes from my, the, the, what, I, what I have from starting out on this, this path of prayer that is an intense love of Christ. Uh, so from this love of Christ, I, I endeavor then to start using my faculties for, for union with God, I may have had some success with dealing with distraction, but dang it, these faculties are so used to dealing with corporeal things that even when I try to to get them to, to focus on supernatural things, I can't get it, you know, it, it's not happening. And part of it is because we haven't done all the work yet. 
there's still some more active work to do. There's more active purification that we have to do with respect to our inordinate corporeal desires, uh, being detached from our inordinate appetites. But, but there's also, you know, I don't want to, to give the impression, Jessica, that, that if, if you're just beginning to experience difficulty or dryness in prayer, that, that you must be in the active night of the senses. Because there, there is some work to be done in the spirit, too, in, in this regard. Because part of why we experience dryness in prayer, too, is, is because our intellect is, a, is accustomed to thinking in, in corporeal ways, in human ways. Our memory is wounded by, <laughs> you know how many things, you know. We all have, we all have those things in our, in our life that, that uh, have, have seriously affected the way that we, that we think, the way that we relate to other people, this woundedness. Uh, the way that we think about God, our, our images of God, our, our wounded, our wounded uh, anthropomorphications of, of, of the fullness of who God is. Of course, he became, he became fully man in Jesus Christ. But you know, even our intellect is capable in this life of going beyond the humanity of Christ uh, in terms, of, in terms of, of, of experiencing the indwelling of the Trinity, experiencing the will of, like, union with the will of God, with the intellect of God in a way that that is that is possible in this life and so this is why the, this is the this is the explanation of the dryness it's we're not used to it and there's there's always work to be done in this regard but i think this is the the cause of the dryness in many ways and then what was so the third part of the question was with respect to the difference between the dark night and, and maybe de- depressive sort of events yeah. so you know, obviously, I am not a, you know, this is like a disclaimer. I'm not a, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. When someone is going through the dark night, they're going to have dryness. There's going to be some, some aspect of, of agitation, a disquiet that comes from this sort of gaining habitual, habitual habitude, I don't know, of, of using our, our soul in this way. There's going to be some, some irritation. Uh, we're, we're going to be, bumping up against our sort of pathological tendencies in this life. We're, we're also going to be, there's always going to be a spirit of, of yes, you know, continuing the, this adaptation of, of, our, of, our, of our spiritual selves. We're going to be, we're going to be uh, growing in self-knowledge. We're going to be growing in knowledge of who God is, both experientially, and we're going to have the desire to, to, to learn too. We're going to be growing in humility. Because this is, I mean, St. Teresa says humility is, is, is walking in truth, right? And who is truth? It's God. So we're going to be growing in humility just by the fact that we're growing in self-knowledge. And we're going to have patience, and we're, we're going to remain determined, in a sense. And so uh, we have a friar, uh, he's an octogenarian, very wise friar, has spent most of his life as a spiritual director. He's, he has this anecdote, uh, or a saying, I don't know, but it's, I think it's helpful he says, I know the difference between someone who's going through a sort of dark night analogy, an analogous sort of spiritual experience, and someone who's going through depression. Because after, I, after the session, if they're depressed, I'm depressed. <laughs> and if they're going through a, a true sort of dark night experience, I'm edified. You know a tree by its roots. Just exactly. like Jesus said, that's actually a really clear and practical way to tell the difference. Somebody going through the dark night could also have some kind of psychological depression. Of course. But it's not necessarily that somebody who has a psychological depression 
is going through the dark night because the dark night is about purifying our faith. Now, as you were speaking, I was thinking about consolation and desolation from Mm -hmm. St. Ignatius of Loyola's writings. And a lot of missionaries ask me the question about desolation versus the dark night. And their Mm. understanding is that desolation means that I feel like God is far away and I feel a decrease in faith, hope, and charity. And I feel drawn to earthly things and I'm supposed to reject desolation. But the dark night is something that God is doing in me and I'm supposed to embrace it. But their understanding is that either way, I'm not going to be feeling great. And when I have these feelings of just feeling down in prayer, how do I know if I'm supposed to reject them because it's desolation? Or how do I know if it's the dark night and I should embrace it? I think there's always going to be sort of a necessity for a healthy detachment from what we're, what we're experiencing on an affective level in prayer. And, and not all, you know, I know there's a distinction within the, within the Ignatian framework of, of of sort of the affect, uh, desolation, consolation with respect to more spiritual uh, consolation and desolation. John says it doesn't really make a difference because all of it is coming of what needs to be purified within ourselves. Um, and so we can be very attached to spiritual consolation. Uh, we can be attached to spiritual desolation in, in the sense of we assign too much meaning to it. We can be attached to our wounds. My wounds are my are my closest friends. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're 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 very close to me. So you know, and they they excuse a lot of my behavior, honestly. <laughs> so you know, sometimes I I'm attached to those, um, and other times you know I I understand. Okay, yeah, I need to move past that and and have a healthy understanding that that uh, that there's there's a a detachment that needs to happen from these things as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, you had so many great points there. I think that it's very true, especially in the the modern culture of our church, to be attached to our wounds. Uh, But we can also be attached to consolation and desolation. And the whole point is that we can't be attached to anything other than God. And if we have material things or consolation, spiritual things, we love them for God's sake and because they lead us to him. Uh, so that's that's a great point. And just like you said, really, it's all about purification. So if the purification comes through desolation or it comes through the dark night, we don't need to get caught up in the method of purification God is using, but that he's purifying us. You know, and, and, to, and to always, you know, always walk with Teresa and John together. They're both doctors of the church, right? It took a little bit longer for Teresa, but, you know, she finally she finally was recognized. Uh, and what I mean by that is is in the sense of 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 the of the purification the need our need for that with john but but also with that that determination of teresa and that if it's not working let's start at square one it's it's like you get so far in a video game and you like broken it for yourself uh by by doing it wrong and so you have to you have to like start the whole thing over again in order to do it right so that you can you know get past the benchmark that you're having difficulty with I used to play a lot of video games. I don't really anymore. Um, it, it's sort of a, a poor analogy for the, the need of if something is not working in prayer. Uh, if if you're if you're finding yourself with a lot of sort of distaste for spiritual things as a result of dealing with with whether it's aridity, dryness, distraction, sin, sort of coming you know coming back into our life in a way that we thought we were over. 
uh, it's determination. Get yourself back up again. Uh, and I think this is this is very that's where I think that comes that comes in in, in a very strong way from Teresa. Uh, and so I think both of them are helpful in this sense. Yeah, and really there we see a great example about how all the saints agree, because John says the same thing, and so does Ignatius when he's talking about desolation. Um, but as you were talking, uh, I was thinking, well, if somebody can be experiencing depression and the dark night of the soul, then it's probably possible that they're experiencing the dark night of the soul, and they could also be experiencing desolation, because Ignatius wasn't trying to refer to the spiritual journey. He was trying to refer to specific moments in prayer, whereas John and Teresa really are referring to the spiritual journey. But that leads to another question. If somebody can experience desolation when they're in the dark night of the soul, can they also experience moments of consolation? Or is it just all dryness and misery? No, no, absolutely not. Um, and, in, and in fact, I think, I think one of the, the clearest senses, uh, like you say, you know, it by its fruits, uh, is that, there, that there's, it may not be the same type of consolation in, in terms of the, the sense of the, the, what we're used to in terms of what we've been sensing, how we've been using our senses and our spirit in the past. But there is, there is a, the, the, the love of God in your soul, how, how this all began was with the love of the God in your soul, that is only, that is ever increasing. Someone going through the dark night is not running away from prayer. Um, they, they, are, they are increasing in, in, in faith. They don't understand everything. The love of, of God is increasing. In the midst of, of weariness, even the painful effects, the dryness, disquietude at times uh, of, having to, of having to like settle down um, our faculties. Even even someone with with like something like depression in the midst of this, there even their love of God is going to be is going to be uh, strengthened. There's there's also going to be probably aspects of of their pathology that is that is this experiencing new things. And, and I don't I don't know to what extent that what that means, but there's going to be probably some cross with respect to that part of them because that's that's a uh, I, at least I think some sort of physiological imbalance uh, that's that's going on. That makes sense. Well, Father, this has been a very interesting uh, discussion about the Dark Knight, uh, the four of them. I've learned a lot. <laughs> um, if somebody is experiencing dryness and difficulty in prayer, and maybe they think that they are, at least in the beginning stages of the Dark Knight, what advice do you have for them? I would definitely try to seek out some sort of spiritual direction. And and if if this is a if this is an analogy a model that that is that is speaking to you and I think it has to be speaking to you more than just uh, the the sense of oh that seems to be a, a fitting <laughs> way to describe how I feel <laughs> feels like a dark night it'd be funny if, if if people would have this sort of same sort of sense of of this of this teaching if it was called if we used a different analogy uh, yeah. that, that that wasn't as that wasn't as uh, maybe attractive to us you know d- dive in dive into it and it is difficult there's but there's some really great resources out there in terms of, of you know contemporary commentaries from you know sources know what they're talking about with respect to this and there's plenty of them out there you know not just the ones that uh, from the publishing house that i work for <laughs> but then start to walk with these saints uh i think that's that's the advice that i would give begin to walk with these saints to have some confirmation you know, this is what the, the saints are saying to us. This is what I went through. Maybe you're going through something similar. 
And there can be a lot of uh, affirmation in that. And maybe, maybe it, 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 it's not easy. Obviously, these, are, these, are, these works are 500 years old. There's plenty of other spiritual masters out there that, that, uh, that might speak to you in this regard. Great point. And when we walk with the saints, we begin to imitate them and grow in virtue. We have consolation that, yes, somebody who did achieve heroic sanctity went through what I went through. But even more importantly, we gain a heavenly intercessor, someone who's going to pray for us and help us along the way. Can I just read to, to you something from St. Teresa? Yes, that, absolutely. That, that ties in perfectly uh, to what you just said. And, and you have to bear with me because I have to find it very quickly. Here we go. St. Teresa says in the book of her life, this is chapter 11. If beginners with the assistance of God struggle to reach the summit of perfection, I believe they will never go to heaven alone. They will always lead many people along after them. And so this speaks perfectly to what you just said in terms of those heavenly intercessors who struggle with this themselves. In order to gain understanding of it, they had, they had, to, they had to seek that understanding. They had to explicate it through writing. And, and, that's, and writing can also be very helpful for us in terms of, in terms of coming to understand ourselves and what God is working in us. And... You know, if, if, it's, if at some you know, point you, you happen to, to haphazardly you know, make it to, to perfection, <laughs> uh, even if you're struggling, in the midst of all your struggles, you're going to bring people along with you. Because again, the fruits, people are going to see this. And, and just as, you know, we can't say that this was easy for St. Teresa or St. John the Cross either. Uh, at least not explicating it is for Teresa. She hated, she, she, she despised the act of writing and then realized the good fruit that came from it afterwards. But, but you're going to bring along so many with you. And, and just, and so these saints have done that as well. They're bringing us along with them. Uh, so, so stay close to the saints. Uh, read as much as you can. Uh, gain, gain a love for reading. Hey, when you're distracted in prayer, a good way to, to kind of begin again in the inactive forms of prayer is spiritual reading. Uh, and, and, and St. Teresa, for a, a great portion of her life, could not pray without the help of a book. Well, may we all imitate Saints John and Teresa. Yes. And may Almighty God bless you to the intercession of St. Teresa of Jesus, St. John of the Cross, St. Joseph, and Our Lady of Mount Carmel, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us today, Father, and thanks everyone for listening.